the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B. is over in Studio CC. And boy, have we got a show today that I think is so important. Um, Again, this is going to fall into the category of one of those shows that I think um, may be more important, you know, for us to yeah. pay attention to. As we look at what is happening in the body of Christ, the line is being drawn and um, it is incumbent upon the believer to decide whether or not you are on the side of truth, that is to be on the Lord's side, or you are on the side of error, Mm -hmm. that is to be not on the Lord's side. (laughs) Right. And that is everything else. Okay. I don't, I don't care where, (laughs) where you try to put it. That's the wrong side. Um, That is the wrong side. But this, you know, the church has been here throughout her history, which Mm -hmm. is, again, why I like to read and study it, because I think it's so important for us to understand that the enemy is not even like, you know, doesn't even care enough to have anything fresh in the attack against us. Mm -hmm. It's like repackaged drama, repackaged deception, and it's skillful deception. Now, let's not be mistaken about that. We don't want to underestimate our enemy. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's it's repackaged. Um, deception that the church has battled and the yeah. Lord has given us the, victor- the victory over. Amen. So we have battled against secularism and we've won. We've battled against liberalism and we've won. And why? Not because we're so great, but because the Lord Jesus Christ made a promise to the church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. Yes. And so we are on the receiving end of that. And if you notice, if you read church history, and I cannot stress enough that you do, if you read church history as you are reading the word of God, you will notice that in each generation, the Lord raises up a faithful mouthpiece mm-hmm. who does not love his life more than the Lord. That's right. Or her life more right. than the Lord. And the reason for that is because that person who gets raised up in that generation mm-hmm. can bank on suffering. Mm. You, you can bank on being ostracized. You can bank on being called the fanatic. In fact, Tertullian was called a fiery fanatic. Mm. Right. I mean, <laughs> and, and look, and <laughs> Tertullian and I, up a notch. I'm like the fiery fanatic. <laughs> I mean, this man is crazy. But but what was he doing? He was standing for the truth. He was right. taking uh, complex, you know, um, systems of theology and, and putting them into, you know, phrases that we could understand. He was also called the phrase maker mm. where we have our term Trinity. Thanks mm. to Tertullian. But Tertullian also asked another important question. I was talking about this earlier. What has Athens to do with Jerusalem? He's saying, what do Greek philosophies have to do with the church? And so you always have these people who arise in every generation of the church who will be robust defenders of the truth. Sometimes it's not done behind a microphone. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not done even in a pulpit. Sometimes you have bold defenders of the truth who are simply but powerfully martyrs. Mm. They are willing to die for this. They are willing to stand on their profession um, in other instances, you have people who are willing to lose their jobs. Yeah, yeah. And to lose their livelihoods right. for this truth. And we're going to talk to one of those individuals today. Robert Oscar Lopez um, was recently laid off. 
I would put that in quotes, he yeah. was laid off uh, by the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and um, uh, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, sorry. And we're going to talk about that today. You and I, over a year ago, talked to Robert Oscar Lopez. Mm -hmm. And I want to say a couple times, actually, we interviewed him, not only uh, based on the information he put in his book, he wrote his, uh, this book, Wackos, Thugs, and Perverts, <laughs> where he was exposing academia, right? And just how perverted academia is. So we talked to him about that. But then also when we were watching this sort of rise of revoice, we had him on to talk about that and to talk about the ERLC and Karen Swallow Pryor and her involvement in all of that. And just to offer some insight as he brought to the discussion his own testimony of being raised by two lesbians and then himself living in a homosexual lifestyle. And yeah. he is very open with discussing the type of abuse that he experienced. Um, he was fired from SoCal State because of his telling the truth about homosexuality. And strangely enough, <laughs> the same thing has happened in to the, him again. At a Christian seminary. At a Christian <laughs> seminary. Yeah. Like, this just boggles the mind. So we are going to hear from him today. We're going to talk about that. But I'll tell you, Will the Great, this is a conversation that kind of comes to mind. And I want to have this conversation yeah. with you um, as we wait to get on in, with Robert in the next segment. How do we know, as we watch the divisions that are happening within the body of Christ, mm -hmm. and they're happening in real time, yeah. right? I mean, th the speed is just breakneck, right? Yeah, yeah. How do we know that we are falling on the right side? Because inevitably... People will take sides. Will. Yeah. Like people will say, well, I'm on Robert Oscar Lopez's side. Mm -hmm. People will say I'm on the side of SWBTS. You know, they, they will say I stand with the seminary. There's already been a statement put out. He's lying about them, um, you know, and we stand with them. We stand with J.D. Greer. They'll say we stand with the ERLC. We stand with Russell Moore. Right. And they will say that people who have anything to say against them, they're lying. How do we know? when we are standing on the right side and it's not just oh, yeah. the cult of personality. The straight edge, yeah. the scripture. Yeah. Like I think you can't go wrong when you are, and, and you know, people may say, well, both sides are using the scripture, but man, when you have the things that we're going to be talking about happening to people who are just being real and transparent about their testimony and their lifestyle and what happened and how God brought them out and being, you know, overt about that. Mm -hmm. And that's being pushed back on mm -hmm. the deliverance of yeah. a person. Yeah. You know, cause that's what he speaks on is testimony. That's right. That's well, right. I would have to say, let's go to the Bible and where do we see that being pushed back on Yeah, the delivering power of God, you know, to appease people who may be in culture or, yeah. you know, yeah. That yeah, you can you have that, that you can have your sinful life and you can have Jesus Christ. You, just, you can just add him to your life and, and almost trying to make uh, the gospel more palatable. Right now, I, I want to do this in this segment here. I want to play a couple clips because I, I want people to understand that when you've got um, a professor like Robert Oscar Lopez, who is stating outright that he was fired because the seminary did not like the way he talked about homosexuality. Mm -hmm. Furthermore, didn't like that the ERLC under Russell Moore's leadership, um, they didn't like him. Yeah. They don't have a favorable favorable view of, of Robert Oscar Lopez. Right. 
I think it's important for us to remember what is some of the language that's coming from the Southern Baptist Convention that is, I I would say, even influenced by the ERLC, that there's got to be a new way that we talk about human sexuality. And Mm -hmm. what is this new way? Mm -hmm. This new way is to be allies. This new way is to be advocates. This new way is to engage in pronoun hospitality. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) We're inventing um, things that don't even make sense. Like we, instead of sticking to the word of God, we're trying to invent things to make things palatable in this culture. That's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And so, listen, when a person says, "I am simply telling the truth about homosexuality and about the power of Jesus Christ to set man free and to truly deliver him from this sin," that we don't need to carve out new spaces where mm-hmm. we say you're gay and yet celibate, mm. or that you are a gay Christian, Christian. Right? right? Because you know, Bobby Lopez speaks against this. OK, mm-hmm. so when you have that position and then you kind of compare that to what we hear coming from the Southern Baptist Convention leadership, mm-hmm. it seems that you cannot it does not comport with their position. Right. Right. So I just want to remind our listeners, we've got, I think, one clip, this clip that we pulled, we played it on our show maybe like a couple years ago. It was right at the time that uh, J.D. Greer was coming to the position of leadership at the Southern Baptist Convention. I don't remember exactly when it was, but he was actually speaking at a convention where he was talking about how we can love our homosexual neighbors. And I want you to listen to the way he expresses this. Listen. Would gay and lesbian people feel welcome in your home? Are you among the chief advocates against abuse, injustice, and discrimination? against the gay and lesbian community in our society. I don't mean will you consent that it's wrong, but are you an advocate against abuse, injustice, and discrimination on their behalf? Isn't that what you would do for a friend? I do want to apologize to the gay and lesbian community on behalf of my community and me for not standing up against abuse and discrimination directed towards you. That was wrong, and we need your forgiveness. Before we go on to number two, let me say something I hope that you don't misinterpret. As believers, as Christians, we have to love our gay neighbor more than we love our position on sexual morality. Which means that our relationship with them must not be contingent upon their agreeing with us about sexuality. It means that when they don't agree with us, we still don't push them away. The posture of many Christians in our churches is more characterized by anger than by compassion, by judgment rather than by friendship. I am not saying that we would ever compromise our position or fail to state it, just that even when they disagree with it, we do not cut them off, we draw them close. We say, yes, this issue is important, I cannot compromise, but I love you more than I love being right. And so even if you don't see things my way, I'm gonna keep bringing you close and I'm gonna remain committed to you. In the cross of Jesus Christ, he shows us the right way to relate to the gay and the lesbian community, clarity about God's righteousness, compassion that would give up its own life to draw them close. So that's the jello of the conversation. Yeah. That's what makes this conversation very difficult to nail to a wall because you (laughs) hear pieces of it where you say, no, I vehemently mm-hmm. disagree with that. Mm-hmm. But then you hear another portion of it. And you say, well, yeah, of right. course I agree with that. Right. But hold on a second. If you listen closely to what J.D. Greer is saying, he is saying that Christians must become advocates mm. against injustice and abuse. Mm. Now, hold on a second. 
first let's define our terms and see this would be the question that you would ask jd greer but you can't because it's a presentation right so you are just <laughs> sitting there nodding but in some instances as you heard in the clip Clapping. applauding yeah you are applauding you love your gay neighbor more than your position on homosexuality question who has developed their own position on homosexuality hmm. as a christian we have no other message except that which is the contained in the word of God. Amen. So it is not our position that we love. It is the word of God that we love That's and right. will defend unto death. That's right. So when you say to someone, you've got to love your gay neighbor more than your position on homosexuality. Well, first of all, that's a little misguiding in the way that it's presented. Mm-hmm. It's not some, some position that we've arrived at that we just decided this is what we feel. Oh, it's icky. We just don't like it. And so we're defending that. No, we are saying, let God be true and every man be a liar. Amen. And we are standing on the word of God. And then the question, the call, will you be advocates <laughs> against injustice and abuse? Well, of course, we are against abuse of anyone. That's right. And everyone. But I am not going to advocate for what these people describe right. as justice right. on their terms. That's a whole different level. That's being a, almost like an activist for, you know, for that. You know, an advocate, that's strong. That's you know. some strong language, yeah. Will. Yeah. That's some strong language. So when you've got a person like Bobby Lopez who says, no, I'm standing on the word of God, and when I'm writing about issues of homosexuality, when I'm writing about the fact that abuse is ongoing, that it is innate to homosexual culture, then the ERLC has a problem with me writing that because they're taking a softer approach to this. Mm. And the softer approach is the clip that you heard us play about pronoun hospitality. I don't know if we have, do we have time to get into one more clip here? Uh, we cut Nicole. Okay, let's not do it. Let's not do it. We'll have time to do it. But here is the problem. There are going to be people who are going to say, well, I stand with the leadership of the Southern Baptist Convention because it's difficult to let go of what you have always held on to. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you this. The sinking sand is on cultural norms side. Mm. The sinking sand is on these new philosophies. They are the Greco-Roman philosophies of our day. And let me tell you, every culture throughout the history of the church has always had some modern philosophy that they have flirted with. Mm -hmm. And how do we make this a part of Christian culture? We are facing that today in 21st century America. Those who stand on the solid rock will be standing on the word of God. Mm -hmm. We can do nothing other. That's right. Nothing other. That's right. All right, guys, we got to grab this break. We'll come right back and talk with Robert Oscar Lopez. Please don't go anywhere. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And that's Gerard Brooks with Flame. Sherry B is over in Studio CC, and she's gotten our brother on, Robert Oscar Lopez, uh, former professor of humanities at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Yeah. Um, we've talked to Robert Lopez um, mm-hmm. a couple times, the Addison's have, and we've always enjoyed it. Um, I'm thinking, I guess it was a year and a half ago, we talked to him about his book, 
uh, Wackos, Thugs, and Perverts, which we thought was <laughs> the coolest name ever for a book. <laughs> and um, we were talking about his experience at SoCal State and uh, just, you know, the thought of him being silenced in the secular community or mm-hmm. the secular world, secular academia for his profession of faith, yes, and also telling the truth about homosexuality. Right. Even though, you know, we look at that and we say, man, it's awful. It's something that we can understand. Yeah. yeah. Well, you fast forward <laughs> and now here the same thing is happening to our brother um, at Southwestern or has happened to our brother at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Bobby, thank you so much for joining us. I really do appreciate you carving out this time. I know a lot is going on, and I know that there are a lot of people who are interested in this. But this is very scary for believers to watch. And I want us to be very careful and very measured, as I know you will be. Because when a listener hears this conversation, the first thing they think is that there's got to be um, a reasonable um, answer for why the seminary would lay you off, would say your position is is going away. And I think that most people would think it can't be for the reasons that you're saying. However, you have documented proof that what you have said is not slanderous against the seminary. Um, it's not slanderous against uh, Provost Stinson. And, um, and we're going to talk about that. And we also have a clip that we're going to play today for our listeners to hear it, because I think um, if they're like me and Will, you know, they will listen to it with their <laughs> mouths gaping. Like, it's just <laughs> shocking to hear the way you were spoken to and the fact that everything that you said about your, quote-unquote, being laid off, that it is, in fact, true. Bobby, how are you? Thank you so much. It's a real pleasure. I love talking to you guys. We <laughs> really helpful. appreciate you because... Anytime you want to talk to me, I'm, <laughs> uh, I, I'm in good spirits because if you're going to get fired from a job, this is the way to get fired, <laughs> to know that you did it for God. Amen. And when I uh, secretly tape recorded those meetings, which I hated having to do, but I did it because they had called me in so many times and they kept on changing their story and they wouldn't put anything in writing. So that's why I tape recorded some of those meetings, and I went back, and I had not listened to them for months, but then after the termination, I went back and I listened to them as I prayed on it and thought, should I give this over to these investigators who who want to follow up on the story? And I really just feel so blessed during this whole experience because not many people get the chance to walk with the Holy Spirit the way that I did. Come on. Those words that I said in those meetings, that was not me, honestly. Like when I said, "I, I will not obey you if, I, if it means I have to disobey God. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the fact that I was able to experience that and to defend the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in that way, I feel very happy Amen. about everything that's going on, and I'm ready to take on whatever life throws at me now. So. Well, look, I'm grateful mm. for you, Bobby. I'm grateful for you because I put you in the category of those men and those women who throughout the history of the church, they have held the line. They have been immovable. The Spirit of God has given them the courage to really do what he has called them to do, and you're doing that. So what I want to do is I want to kind of back up for our listeners who may not be familiar with why you kind of, you know, I don't know, fell out of the good graces of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Explain to our listeners your approach to defending and teaching the truth of God's word as it pertains to homosexuality and transgenderism. Okay, I grew up in the gay community. My mom was gay. I grew up uh, in a lesbian household. I was uh, abused when I was young. I was 13 when I was first physically abused. And I was in homosexuality for 15 years. And I love 
with all of my heart the people in that community. I know that they are suffering. I know that there is so much abuse and unhappiness in, in those people, and I have faith in every single person who identifies as gay that they are not gay, that mm. we're all created in, in God's design, and that for men to be with women and women to be with men. So they're all heterosexual. There's just a confusion or a trauma that has set in. And my heart was always for them to try to help them to get out of it and to be able to do what I did, which was with the help of Jesus Christ and also with the support of some people and my own determination, I ceased the thoughts. I ceased the identity. And I was able to meet a woman fall in love with her. We have children. I was completely Amen. delivered out of that lifestyle. And I wanted to share that with other people. I don't believe it when people say, oh, it can't be done. Or, you know, if you try to help other people to do that, they're going to try to kill themselves or it's dangerous or it's harmful, all of those things. So that was my approach. And that put me in conflict, I would say going back a couple of years, because most of the Christians who wanted to comment on this they only wanted to focus on the sanctity of marriage and religious liberty, as in a baker not wanting to make a cake for a gay couple that's getting married. And what that did not do, that did not give healing or help or assistance to the millions of people in churches mm. who go in there and have kids who are struggling with this identity problem or who were abused were the people themselves. And I knew that there were so many of them who themselves wanted to get out of it. And the Church was muzzling ministries like mine because they, they didn't want to anger the gay community. The, the gay community gets very angry when their business is put out on the street. And mm -hmm. the business that they don't want to get put out on the street is the fact that a lot of these people who identify as gay, they were abused emotionally or physically or mentally. Mm. And that's how they got into it. They don't want that to be out there. So. Southwestern, after Paige Patterson left, he, he was the president who hired me, the new administration came in and they had a lot of ties to the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. Mm. The provost involved in all of this is a research fellow working for Russell Moore at the same time that he is the provost at Southwestern. So it was clear that they wanted to move in the direction that the ERLC was going mm. in. The ERLC had condemned uh, and at various levels. They had rejected the idea of ministry or therapy or counseling to help people get out of homosexuality. They only wanted to stick to the idea that marriage is between a man and a woman. They didn't want to get involved in any other activism like fighting the sex ed in the schools or exposing the abuse in the gay community. So they wanted to stay away from all of that content because it made their people around them uncomfortable and nervous. So they increasingly wanted me to tone things down and then to stop going to conferences. That's why I took down my blog. It's why I took down a lot of my social media for many months. Um, and finally, they put so many requirements on the permissions that I had to go through. And I went through all of it. I went along mm -hmm. with all of their requirements. But finally, one of the administrators came clean on September 13th, and he said, look, it's the content. They don't want you involved in this at all while you're working here because it brings attention that we don't want. So he basically put it on the line, and he said, you either stop this ministry or you look for another job. Wow. And, and so, that's where it stood, and that was on tape. Yes. So they can't deny it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so the attention, quote-unquote, that we don't want is the profession or the, the proclamation <laughs> of the truth that right. God sets man free. Because even as you started, Bobby, you said, look, the, these people in the gay community are not gay. They are confused. There is hurt. There is abuse. 
one of the things that you were saying consistently is that abuse within the gay community is not the exception to the rule. That is the norm. And that's something that I think the ERLC, and, and I know you and I, Willie Gray, we all had a conversation about this when we were talking about Karen Swallow Pryor and her endorsement of Revoice and this, this whole idea that you can be gay and celibate, that you would wear this title of a gay individual and also a Christian. It seems that maybe the ERLC and the Southern Baptist Convention, I, you know, I don't know if you would put them in this category as well, but it seems that there is an affinity that is growing for this modern philosophy. Yes, I would say that that is true. And in fact, it, when the provost called me in on September 19th, he started out by saying that he had been in talks with the ERLC, that they had a low opinion of me, and that because of the ERLC's low opinion of me, the Southwestern administration had real doubts as to whether I could work constructively with them, i.e., could I stay on that job if the ERLC didn't like me? And the ERLC's position is absolutely uh, softening on that. You know, J.D. Greer, who, who spoke at the ERLC conference on homosexuality in October 2014, now he's going around saying he's going to use transgender pronouns. All of this is they're trying to break bread and make peace with the political leadership of the LGBT community. And by doing that, they're betraying the millions of people in the LGBT community who are hurt and suffering, who are not represented well by that political leadership, who are being exploited and abused by them, and who very often come to the churches wanting help. You know, but if, you, if you're someone who's been abused, and so you have sexual confusion, and you walk into a Southern Baptist church, and the church says to you, look, we embrace the fact that you're gay and you can't change, but, you know, we're just going to help you to stay celibate. You are affirming the abusers, mm. and you're closing all the doors to that person's chances at having a normal life. Mm. Every time I go out to the ministries, I say to people, you cannot decide for somebody else. If somebody wants to get out of homosexuality, you can't make that decision for them. But you need to tell them that, look, hey, if you do want to get out of there, I believe in you, I have confidence in you, and I will walk with you, and you can do it if you decide to. And just saying that means so much to so many people. But that's the exact thing that I think people in the ERLC are uncomfortable with people saying mm -hmm. to others. And I submitted a resolution to the ERLC in 2018 to try to affirm that. It was shot down. Mm -hmm. I submitted a resolution on sex abuse in 2019. It was shot down. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's a matter of public record that I have tried yes. to go through the proper channels. And I have tried to be respectful and do honor to the Lord by doing things the way that they tell me that are supposed to be done. And it didn't matter because in the end, they just pulled the rug out from under me, fired me, and then they lied about me. Yes. Mm. Now let's... They released this, yeah, they released a statement saying that I had made all of this up. Mm -hmm. If I hadn't had those recordings, I would be out of luck, you know? <laughs> so look, let me say this. So, so Bobby, because Will and I have spoken to you on a couple of different occasions and, and, you know, we have a great deal of respect for you. We know the work that you're doing behind the scenes. We know that it's an uphill battle. We know that it's a dangerous fight. And I don't mean that figuratively. It is a dangerous fight to tell the truth as you're telling the truth. When I read this story, and this story came to my attention because Ann Reed wrote a blog about what you had experienced and what was happening. So I posted this story on my Facebook page. And of course, someone immediately said, well, please post the rest of the story, which was the statement that came from Southwestern, which said that you were making false claims about them. And in fact, the statement from Provost Stinson, I believe Randy Stinson was the author of the statement, said that um, your claims were demonstrably false. <laughs> now, what I want to do in the time that we have is I want to play a clip. 
because one of the claims that you made was that the ERLC didn't like you. And so Southwestern basically through Provost Stinson was saying, so that's a problem for us. And so I want to play that clip so that our audience can hear it. And then I want to get some of your commentary on it afterwards. Listen. Here's the expectation of the administration. They don't want that attention coming here. But it's something that uh, probably not going to want that kind of attention, that kind of involvement from you. I would not want to see a situation where uh, you force them to fire you. I happen to be around uh, some folks from the ERLC where your reputation is not good uh, there uh, with those folks. So now there's a growing concern of mine in terms of a failure to relate constructively to another major entity of, of the SBC. Uh, when you work at Southwestern Seminary, uh, you're not an independent actor. Uh, everything that you do uh, represents this school in one way or another. Their approval process. There are multiple factors that go into what might be acceptable or unacceptable. And I, I'd like to know what that rubric is. Well, there's not, I didn't say there was a rubric. Well, there are multiple factors okay. that we would consider. Then, who the audience is, the venue, what's being said, how is it being said, if it is going to be uh, received poorly by the entity. It's the honest truth. You know what? Are we, uh, are, okay, I'm, there are ways to say things. There are ways to do it. It just are you just putting out the truth, unvarnished truth everywhere you go? Or are yeah. there ways to have conversations? Pardon? You can make any decision. I'm prepared for anything. No, I'm asking you, you mm -hmm. had, ought to be a man of integrity to mm -hmm. make your own decision. I've made my you, decision. Would, I've made my decision. And you know what? I resent you implying that I don't have integrity. I'm I, I'm not implying okay. it. Uh-huh. I'm I'm saying it. So what help us understand the nature of this meeting, and I think we hear two voices there. I'm, I'm assuming that one is the Dean of Humanities, Michael Wilkinson, and the other is the Provost, Randy Stinson, who accuses you of not having integrity. And I think when we start, it's correct me if I'm wrong on this, it's Michael Wilkinson who says, um, don't force me to fire you. I would hate to be forced to, to fire you. Am I right about that? Right. Those, those are different clips that are kind of st I'm stacked together. Okay. Um, uh, uh, there are the full audio. You can listen to the whole thing from beginning to end. Um, those, that's available at enemieswithinthechurch.com. But yes, so the first person is Mike Wilkinson, who I had had a very good relationship with. I like the man. I think he's a good man. Um, but you know, he he was. I from what I can interpret from the situation, he was being forced to to bring that news to me. Um, that basically, if I didn't cease and desist from my quote-unquote involvement in this issue that um, that they would be forced to fire me. So mm -hmm. he said that um, the provost is the one later who's saying I don't have any integrity because I wouldn't resign. Wow. And, and your cease and desist call um, is that you would stop talking about issues of homosexuality and stop talking about transgender issues, stop talking about sexual abuse because the way that you're doing it has caused you to fall out of the good graces of the ERLC and by extension then Southwestern. I mean, that's yeah, what I think exactly. we... Okay, so I want to grab this break and when we come back from the break, I want to talk about where we go from here. When the church hears this information, 
and we all collectively step back and we're just kind of in a shock mode right mm-hmm. now. Where do we go from here? This is Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We'll take the break and we'll come right back to our conversation with Robert Oscar Lopez. Don't go anywhere. He put that hunger in your heart. He put that fire in your soul. His love is the reason to keep on believing. I do think, and Andrew Walker points this out, I got another guy named Preston Sprinkle, um, had some good thoughts on this, that's, that you do see in the Bible this kind of evidence of generosity and accommodation of spirit in simple things like, you know, when, when they refer to different gods in the Old Testament. I mean, we know there's only one God. Yeah. And But there's a sense in which I don't know if I'm going to draw the battlefront there. I'm going to declare the truth, and then I'm going to speak with clarity, and I don't know if I'm, you know, if the pronoun is exactly the place that I have to, you know, do it. A couple of analogies that may, or a couple of illustrations may help. You know, when, when missionaries have been going into um, tribes where there were polygamous, yeah. you know, do they, what do they do when a, guy, when a chief has 10 wives? Do you take the first one and call her wife and refuse to call anybody else a wife because a man can only be married to one wife? Is that yeah. what you do? Or um, if somebody that is divorced, you know, and unlawfully divorced in our culture, you know, Jesus says that he never really relinquished his marriage and, you know, that he's yeah. actually married to this other woman even though he's divorced her and the woman he's lived with now. So do you, do you insist on calling the former woman his wife and this current woman the adulteress? Yeah. And like every time that's how you refer yeah. to him? Well, you know, I don't think there's evidence, you know, for doing that. I think you, I think there's a generosity of spirit that you can communicate there. Um, I've heard it called pronoun hospitality. Mm. And I think it's, I, I, that's the way that I, I would, I would lean in this. I would say there's a, you know, this is one of those perhaps Romans 14 situations where you're, you know, you need to do what your conscience is yeah. allowing you to do. And if you just really feel like I can't, then I, I love what, what Andrew Walker says. He says, it's probably best to just avoid using a pronoun altogether. No, this is not festivals and holidays. No, (laughs) it's not. It is lies told against the Imago Dei. These are lies told against God's created order Mm -hmm. that he made them male and female. In his image, he created them. And so this is not a Romans 14 type thing, but this we play. That's J.D. Greer, by the way, recent podcast last month where he is talking about engaging in something called pronoun hospitality. And if you miss that, then basically (laughs) um, it is the understanding that you could use a person's preferred pronoun just as a way to show a generosity of spirit. Now, this would be completely antithetical to the gospel, um, the demand to tell the truth, Mm -hmm. which is what our brother Robert Oscar Lopez has been doing. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, he has been fired from Southwestern. So as you can see, this decline or this slide away from the truth is consistent. I almost feel like the information that has come out apart from this situation yeah. makes Bobby's case. Right. It, it confirms what we've been seeing going on all the time. You know, the the, the clips we've been we've been playing because yes. we played this a while Last back. Month, that's yeah. Right. And, and the, all the other stuff, this stuff is confirming what we already thought we knew. You know, Bobby, here's my question. As you know, so many people are listening and they're in shock. There is a there is a feeling of instability, you know, because you think that these uh, long cherished, long admired and respected institutions, you expect them to continue on in biblical orthodoxy. At the same time, you are uncovering this and revealing the direction of the SBC and the ERLC 
um, you've got very powerful men um, saying, no, we are maintaining biblical orthodoxy. They're saying that we are still teaching the truth about sexual ethic. Um, what do you say to that, Bobby? I just say I'm somebody who spoke the truth, and you heard it on tape. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't have to put words in someone's mouth. Uh, the provost said, so are you saying that you're just going to speak the unvarnished truth? And I said yes. Mm -hmm. And he basically followed up with that by saying, well, I couldn't work there. <laughs> so I was just going to speak the unvarnished truth. So all of this discussion about how they're going to be hospitable or have a big tent or be open to other points of view, what I think is unfortunate is that may, in order to do that, you have to kick out the people who speak the truth mm -hmm. because they can't, light and darkness can't coexist. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to be open to the darkness, you have to put out the light. Mm -hmm. That's what is so sad. So, it, you know, they will say, well, we still maintain an orthodox position, but there's a very limited range of things that they will comment on, and they are pushing out everyone who goes into other areas where an orthodox position is necessary. They're just erasing it. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't, agree with them when they say that they're maintaining an orthodox position, because by omission and by suppression, they are not maintaining it. I know that back in September, you um, had an essay that was published um, uh, for American Thinker um, to affirm LGBT ideology is to support abuse. And you had that published under a pseudonym. And the reason I'm assuming you did that was because there was already this pressure and this heat that was sort of being turned up under you, that you were not to speak on these issues, that you were to run all of your writing, all of your communication through the powers that be, as they were, um, so that you could get prior approval. Was this limited only to your speaking out about sexual issues, or was this for all of your work? There were other things that I did send them that they didn't have any issue with. So I wrote an article about the decline in the teaching of foreign languages. I published that in the stream. I sent that to the administrators, and you know they had no problem with that. All of the things that they had a problem with were about LGBT or sex abuse. Wow. And, uh, and so, for instance, that article, that was the one that prompted those two meetings that you see on the recording. Wow. Because I published that under a pseudonym after the dean and I had gone back and forth. The text message, I had sent the, um, the copy of the article to uh, the person that I was supposed to run it by, and I was waiting for, I told him, I said, you know, if you have time, yeah, I mean, you have time to retract it. If you, if you tell me not to run it, I'll tell the editor not to run it. Mm -hmm. So they had four time, but he just wouldn't get back to me. I suspect because he didn't want to be found in writing saying you can't make these comments. So I went ahead after talking to the dean, and I put it under a pseudonym, and even under a pseudonym, that meeting with the provost took place at the provost's prompting. He called me in and dressed me down for having published that under a pseudonym. And I had submitted it to the person for approval. The person just never got back to me. Let me ask you the games that they were playing. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, it, you know, yeah, it's, they, they don't want to be caught. What they, don't want, they, what they don't want the Southern Baptist world to know is that they are running interference for the LGBT lobby. That is oh, without hey. a doubt in my mind. And, but oh. they just don't want to be caught. And the problem is that they just left too many traces in this case. 
Wow. But I think it's undeniable. It is undeniable. And, and I, I will say, you know, that you had the presence of mind to really be active in documenting mm-hmm. um, the exchanges that you had and this re- these recordings. I mean, it's just it's it's absolutely phenomenal what you did. I, I really believe that, first of all, the courage, you know, being led by the spirit of God. Look, Brother Bobby, and, you know, <laughs> if we could just, you know, drop with all the formalities here, God saved you. God saved you. He pulled Amen. you out of darkness and brought you into this marvelous light. And you are living your life in service to him. I would imagine that there is a certain, look, I've been through the worst already. Like, yeah, this that's is- how I feel. Honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start crying. So I, I don't want to say too much of it. But I just, you know, during so many of these months, because this has gone on since May all the way through, mm. I really felt like, does, does God hate me? You know, mm. I was just like, why? why? But then when, 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 they came out with that false statement about me, and that gave me, I, I got the message from the Spirit that it's, it's time to release the tape, and I was fully vindicated. I realized God is faithful. Mm. You know what I mean? Amen. He set it up so that my name would be vindicated, because I did stand up for God and Amen. for Jesus Christ. In all mm. of those meetings, all of those times, I was all alone on that campus. I mm. couldn't talk to any of my colleagues. I would come in. I would teach. I wanted to be good to my students. And I was working on this play, which premiered last Friday. You know, mm-hmm. I wrote the play. It's about African-American history. Okay. Um, and it has a gospel message in it. And I just, I really wanted this. We had a cast of 16 students. We did it in a cafe. I wanted to focus on all the positive things, but it was killing me inside to, to, to worry that God had turned against me. But, you know, it's like he was faithful in mm-hmm. the end. Amen. Because those, those things got released. And, and I think I want people to know that, that, you know, as we're under this persecution, the Lord is faithful. Yes, he just, is. If you just hold the line, because, I, you know, I, I don't know what would have happened if I had turned away in fear at one point. Mm, you amen. know, then, then maybe, maybe the Lord would have, you know, lost, you know, whatever, his, his confidence in me. But, but I, stood, I stood my ground, and I, so I feel good about it. I really do. I, I'm not in despair. I think everyone around me is more outraged than I am. <laughs> yeah, no, I got it. You might be right about that. I mean, you're, you're cucumber cool. And because, you know, when you look at this, I think for those of us who are faithful to the word of God, faithful to Orthodox Christian teaching, this is outrageous. And, mm-hmm. and to be able to do this with a certain level of authority and respect, and there's some reverence here. You know, I, I think that the body of Christ has really got to wake up. We've got to stir ourselves and we've got to return to the authority of Scripture, not putting confidence and trust in man, That's because right. I think that a lot of this is kind of hidden behind power. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a there's a certain, well, we come from a long line of mm-hmm. leaders and directors, and so we just kind of do whatever we want, but we have got to return to the authority of the Word of God. Let me ask you this, Bobby. Where are you now with Southwestern? I would imagine that now since these tapes have been made public, this neat, clean little response um, really is not neat and clean, n- nor is it true. So where are right. they now, as far as you know? I, I have moved on, so I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not, obviously I'm not in contact with, with those folks. Mm-hmm. I have to just finish up my last little bit of duties. Like, I have to turn in my grades, um, and uh, I'm focusing a lot now on this multicultural Christian theater project, if I can just give the website for it in case sure. people want to support it, it's, it's at givesendgo.com forward slash Robert Lopez Mission. I'm trying to see if I can raise funds to, to focus my energies on producing really good art and uh, theater with from a, a multicultural Christian viewpoint. Um, and that's what I'm focused on. I just have, am not 
Um, I don't know what they're doing. I, I can imagine that it's probably this has caused a, a lot of drama on campus, um, and I'm just trying really hard to have my relationships with my students not be affected by it because a lot of them I still want to work with mm-hmm. um, off campus. So. Well, let me ask you about that, and I want to give you give give the website again: givesendgo.com forward slash yeah, forward Robert Lopez Mission. Yeah, Robert Lopez Mission. Okay, yeah. got it. And we'll make sure to put these links in the podcast notes so that people can get it. Also, if they want to follow this information and, and listen to the full audio, they can go to enemieswithinthechurch.com, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. You mentioned your students. Uh, one of the things <clears throat> excuse me, that was written was that your students disliked you or that, that was stated was that you know that you didn't have good rapport with your students or that there was a problem there. Am I recalling that correctly? Was that... Yeah, he did put, he put that in the, in the statement, right. Okay, was there any truth to that? Did you, had you fallen out of good graces with your students? I, I just don't have any, they never brought this up to me. I have no, there's no record of that being brought to my attention or my noticing anything. Okay. Um, you know, I, I taught the, the semester, of course, of anyone's teaching, there's going to be a, a student here or there sure. who takes issue with something, but I just don't have, I can't speak to it because it just came out of thin air. Okay. That, um, <laughs> you know, I just, <laughs> I just don't know. Um, I can tell you that I taught, you know, and, and thank the Lord, praise the Lord that he, he kept me cool because I did teach an entire semester. I only missed uh, one class for each course because I was sick, but I, I took a student on a mission to El Salvador, and I supervised the drama club, and we had a premiere of an original show. I did all of that, and, and I did not say a word about any of this until the very end when the students asked me why uh, my name had been stricken from the list of instructors for the spring. Wow. So I tried very hard to keep them insulated from all this, because as a student, I don't I don't want them to be dragged into it. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. What an incredible show of integrity. Amen. That is amazing. Amen. One last question here as we're coming to the end of the show. When you look at uh, the body of Christ and you look at what is happening, I want to expand beyond the SBC. I know that this is kind of concentrated here for our discussion today. What is your counsel to the larger church, to the, the body of Christ? How do we navigate the shift that's happening um, as it pertains to homosexuality and transgender issues? I think that you have got to fight for your church to come back to the true message. Read the first three chapters of Revelation. Mm. Read it really hard and ask yourself, which of these descriptions of the churches sounds like the way that my church is dealing with homosexuality? Are we allowing the Jezebels into the church? Are we being lukewarm? Are we is subscribing to false theologies? And you will see, if you just look at Revelation, you will see what needs to be done, is mm. that if your church is compromising on this, this is not a little issue. This is not a small issue. Mm. This, is, will, this will destroy your church, because if you take apart Genesis 1 to 2, you have just destroyed the whole fabric of God's design. Come it's on. not a minor issue, and you've got to take it seriously. And you have to understand that Jesus told us that there would be wolves in sheep's clothing who mm-hmm. say one thing and do another, who talk out of both sides of their mouth, who say that they're going to keep a biblical ethic on sexuality, and then they fire the guy who's trying to help homosexuals get oh. out of that lifestyle. Mm. So you have to like you ask deeper questions. Don't accept people to just, at face value, say that they subscribe to this or that article of faith. What do they do? What fruit do they yield? Mm. What are they trying to keep secret? You know, Paul says, expose the acts of darkness. That's right. Ephesians 5, you are absolutely on it. That's right. 
yes. Amen. Discretion is not a biblical value. Come on. <laughs> it's like, what's your spiritual gift? Oh, you know, discretion and being careful with the truth. Um, I'm really growing in that area. No, look, we can do nothing against the truth only for it. And when, you know, when you're asked the question, are you going to just preach the unvarnished truth? Are you going to just tell the truth? And for the answer, yes, to be controversial shows that we have entered into a very dangerous time in the history of the church. Uh, Bobby, we love you, brother. Thank, Thank you so much Thank for giving so much. us this time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. It was always a pleasure. God bless you. All right. Well, that's it for today. Will yeah, the Great. We have man. got, he said it. He said we got to hold the line. Yes. We Amen. cannot I break agree. formation. If you want to know if you're on the right side, look to the word of God. Amen. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.